Hey everybody, I'm here with Dave Frost from EXP Realty here in town, and we went over, well, we went over a lot, basically. Yeah. New models, evolving models, how to manage people in general, and yeah, so enjoy the show. Love is love. Love is love. Adi, no. Here with Tom, episode, I don't even know, eight, seven, something like that. Here with Dave Frost from EXP. So, Dave, we were talking yeah. a little bit about just exploring North Carolina. What got you here to North Carolina? Um, my wife. Okay. So, um, our story is we were both Army, military, mm-hmm. and um, I was stationed at Fort Bragg. She was stationed here at Marsoc. Oh. Um, but we traveled and played softball. So, competitive Army softball, and uh, we'd go to... You know, softball tournaments, civilian tournaments, obviously, but we'd go to, you know, California, Vegas. We'd be, we would fly everywhere. And we were playing on co-ed teams, um, you know, in these big tournaments. So that's how we met. And uh, she's way better player than I am. Uh, but uh, she, uh, so that's how we met. And then, you know, we started dating and one thing led to another. We got engaged and then uh, we got married. And then I transitioned out of the Army, came here. She was still in the Army. And then I started real estate from here. So I didn't know anybody here. I was kind of. So you just moved here because of her and then started real estate while she was still in? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we started. And, um, you know, we haven't looked back since. But, I mean, yeah, it, it was it was kind of scary going from military to real estate and then not knowing the area you're in. So then yeah. I had to really, you know, hustle and figure that out quick because I didn't even know, they, you know, the subdivisions or anything. I think I, I came here. I moved out here. We got our house together like in, I would say, 2013. Um, got my license right in December, I think, 2013, and started in January. Oh, wow. 2014. So then, you know, where I just started every day going in and working. And, and then ever since then, that's where we've been. How long were you in the Army for? I was in the Army about 14 years. Well, what did you do there? I was a – I started out as a tanker. So mm-hmm. being a little short guy, it was all right. <laughs> but even even that is it's rough in them tanks. Um, so I did that for about four years mm-hmm. and then uh, transitioned into being an Army CID agent. So I did the, like, NCIS for the, the okay. Marine Corps and Navy. That's what I did for the Army. Because I know the Marine CID is different. They're like MPs in our service. The Army, you have, you have um, MPI is what we call them. But CID, and I think in the Marine Corps is that way. But CID in the Army is like NCIS. We're the, we always wore civilian clothes and um, investigated all the felonies. So I did that for a while. <laughs> that's why uh, that's why I don't have any hair I think yeah I mean uh, it, w- it was a good career saw a lot of things um, um, you know very pro law enforcement obviously too and especially with the times it's crazy but um, but yeah so I did that had a lot of big cases I did uh, deployed to Iraq mm. in 03 the initial wave and then I was part of a war crimes team so it was like uh, probably about 15 CID agents and we all went and what we did was we did all the war crimes, so we went and processed all the mass graves that were found. Um, you know, we did um, security missions out there for, you know, Rumsfeld. So the Department of Defense, I don't know if anybody knows this, but the Department of Defense is guarded or are protected by CID agents, mm-hmm. not Secret Service. So, like, Rumsfeld was our Secretary of Defense then, and um, that's CID agents who protect him and his family and all that. So when he would come or anybody like that would come, we'd jump in and do protection. And then we did, um, I was on a, I was on a team that was after Saddam Hussein. Oh. So we would bomb something, 
Mm-hmm. And then they would call us and say, we think he's in there. Go process it. So, so then me and a couple other agents and, you know, all, every other agency out there. I mean, everybody's hands were in like CIA, FBI. We all went there and would process all the rubble. And I don't know how many times I did that. Obviously, he was not in any of those buildings. So Just looking for him every time? <laughs> yeah, there was times they thought they had bombed a place where they thought he was at. and um, But he would, you know, it didn't come to be him. But so we'd go in there, I would take fingerprints, I would do, you know, things like that, trying mm-hmm. to figure out if he was there and then send it up. And then, of course, we did, um, I did the Jessica Lynch case. You might be too young for Jessica Lynch, but I know, I know the you case. know the name. Mm-hmm. So she yeah, obviously rescued out of the uh, Nazaria Hospital there. But me and another agent was pushed early on to do that investigation. And um, we recovered the bodies of those that were killed and, and actually murdered. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Uh, case there where we collected evidence, we interviewed, you know, people. So it was interesting. My my career in CID was pretty interesting. I had a good good time, good run, but I needed something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and real estate's brought me something different. <laughs> different. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different than going through rubble and grabbing cans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ran some drug teams too, which was, oh man, those, you know, early on uh, when I was a warrant officer, mm-hmm. when I started enlisting, became, you know, Sergeant First Class, E7 in the military and then transition to warrant. And then uh, in CID as a warrant, you run teams. Then you're the team chief, team leader. So, uh, but I ran, my first team was a drug team and that was rough, man. Run, you know, running and gunning at night and um, buying drugs. Now I didn't do the buying of the drugs or anything, but I had, my team did mm-hmm. and I oversaw it, but I had to be out at three, two in the morning. It's rough. Um, Just early hours all the time. Yeah, because you got to be out when everybody's out. You know, mm-hmm. the club life and, and uh, you know, I had my my undercovers in the clubs and, and stuff like that. So the rest of us would be on the, you know, security teams. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it was rough, but did some of that, too. And um, but it was, it was a good time. I had some interesting cases, a lot of death in my career, though, a lot of dead bodies or murders and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's kind of crazy. So you just want to change the pace from there and. Yeah, I wanted to change a pace. They moved me a lot. I um, I was overseas a lot, and I was mm-hmm. just tired of it. And, and I think, you know, right before we started this recording, we were talking about sometimes your job, where you're at, like so military-wise, you're stationed somewhere, depending on what you're doing and who who's your supervisors potentially or whatever, it can affect how you feel about that particular area. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened to me a few times. Like I was in Germany my first tour. I hated it. You know, Germany. Yeah, not my wife. No, we were not married then. She mm-hmm. was in Germany. She loved it. Like her experience <laughs> was totally different. She was a vet tech. Um, but for me, I was a tanker then. Man, all I did was sit on a tank out in the field and just get rained on and just, you know, that's all we did was and I was like, oh. So I didn't really get to see a lot of things. You know, I went to I went to Paris and um some places, but you know, I was deployed to Kosovo then, mm-hmm. um, went through Macedonia, um, you know, then and finally PCS out of there, went to Fort Knox. And Fort Knox I liked. It was all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think that that definitely um, has a lot to do with it. So I was just, let's say I was in Kosovo. I was in Germany. I was in Korea. I was in Iraq. I was in Kuwait. Um, yeah, so that's almost half of my career was overseas, you know, just done with that. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier about your experiences and how you related to a certain area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you got to make it 
talent or make yeah. it the best you can. But uh, like you were saying here, a lot of people are like, you know, why would you settle down in yeah. Jacksonville? I'm like, no. Well, I think it's hard to disassociate the two things, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, it would have been very easy for me to disassociate Marine Corps life from, you know, the BS that I was experiencing. Right. From the actual town. Right. You know. Yeah. So, I was I I know that I'm lucky that I'm able to kind of disassociate certain things from mm -hmm. each other, my right. experience versus what it actually is and what's going on and how. Yeah. They may be close physical geographical locations but it's a different totally different thing that's going on yes absolutely i agree you, you, i mean you have to mm -hmm. you know same thing but you know with your job or what you do you got to kind of you know decompress and mm -hmm. not associate it with everything and i yeah. think that's a lot of people do that yeah because you know? i still get a lot of comments of people asking why <laughs> i stayed here why, yeah i stayed here why mm -hmm. i got out everything like why why'd you right. stay there you could have gone here go back home to california and i'm like well yeah i and the only reason why i was able to realize that the perception of the town you're in is bad just because of your experiences not really the town is just because mm -hmm. i was in san diego i'm from california yeah. so being from you know i was like in Pendleton, I was like, Pendleton's not bad, but everyone's like, oh, I hate San Diego. Meanwhile, my family was up in Orange County, mm -hmm. and I'm like, ah, not really bad here, guys. Like, we're we're kind of lucky. Right. And then <clears throat> Monterey, I only lived a couple hours from Monterey growing up, and I was like, guys, this is this is dope. Like, we're only a couple hours mm -hmm. from San Francisco. We can go down to San Luis Obispo, do all these things. Yeah. But to them, it's just they're in the military. So when I came here, I was like. Already experiencing those places. Now, I will be honest, I was stationed in San Angelo, Texas, mm. and uh, I could not find something that I liked there. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. You can't do it for everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I knew that, um, <clears throat> I think we were close to Houston, San Antonio, you know, those big popping places, but I never mm -hmm. got to experience them. So my Texas experience, I know it was the same as everyone's. California experience. Right. But I mean, I know a lot of people from Texas who claim that it's the greatest place in the, it's the <laughs> only course. place in the world That's to right. some of them. Yeah. And so I came in North Carolina, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to travel, figure out this place, you mm -hmm. know, because Jacksonville Lots. wasn't an exciting popping place, but right. yeah, I went to Raleigh, I went to all these different locations, mm -hmm. museums, forests, and I was like, you know what? This yeah. ain't too bad. Yeah. You got to make the best of it, you yeah. know, figure out, you know, what your interests are and then try to find those things, you mm -hmm. know, because they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. You can do that. So Jacksonville is interesting. You know, the demographics is very young and um, military. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, from a, you know, people are always, you know, from the real estate side, they always say, why don't you go to a major city or, well, you know, honestly, the the military markets are a secret, you know, yeah. it's because it's a constant transition, mm -hmm. you know, and um, that means there's constant business, you know, so that's always good. It's just, you know, your buyer today is your seller in two years, probably mm -hmm. three years, four years at the most. You go to these major cities, you know, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio originally. So if I go to Cleveland, I mean, it's huge. So, yeah. it, I mean, then people, hell, my parents had hurt their house for I mean, 20 years before yeah. finally moving down south and retiring. And so, I mean, you know, that turnover is you just <laughs> a lot, <laughs> lot rougher, a lot more agents, you know, um, you know, so it's it's a little different, but. Yeah. Is your wife still in the army? Or no, no, she, she got out. Yeah, so my wife, when I moved here, started doing real estate. Uh, my first year, um, I did pretty well. So fourteen houses in my first year. So mm -hmm. I always call it. Um, it was kind of like 
maybe I shouldn't say it, like Stevie Wonder real estate. I was kind of, you yeah. know, blindly doing things um, and and it worked. Some things worked, some didn't, but I didn't know what I was doing. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I understood real estate, but I didn't know how to generate business and kind of scheduling and, you know. Um, so then, um, you know, she would help me here and there, like, you know, mail out stuff or on the weekends I drive and hand out flyer. I would do all kinds of craziness, right? So she would help me. And then eventually... Um, I thought, why don't you just come into real estate too, you know, or you just, or get out and become an admin with me and that will free up my time. So she did that in my second year and then I sold 48 that year. So that's a huge difference. Yeah. So she was definitely a big part of that, freeing up my time. And, you know, I did some farming. She would mail that stuff out. She would handle all my, my dot loop or remember what it was. And it might've been dot loop too, but you know, and then I just focus on calling people, getting appointments and and that so that's so you're she's just prospecting every day though when you guys did it together it just that's how i became successful i called for sale by owners expires mm-hmm. all day i mean all the time i'd go door knocking to those that's how i started i mean and it worked well for me because i didn't have any you know sphere of influence or anybody here we had a small one my wife Brittany, was here she was stationed probably about a maybe a year before i moved up here with her and stuff and uh she had softball friends Okay. that she played league ball with here at the rec and all that stuff. So some of those became our clients, which is great. We're very thankful of, of them and we're still friends with almost all of them. Um, but th- that was a little bit of it. And then the rest was just me calling and door knocking and prospecting every day. I still do it. Yeah. I don't door knock or prospect as much as I once did because I did it up front. Mm-hmm. Now I, I've reaped the rewards of having more. You put all that work in the beginning. Right. And that's, you know, now it's helped me get more referrals and, and kind of stay that way, but I still do it. You know, when'd you start making a team? Um, when did you decide that at a certain point yeah. that you would create a team where you like just having so many leads or handing them off to people or it was, um, some of that was, yeah, mm-hmm. we, I thought uh, I, I was doing really well on listings and I, that's what I really enjoy the listing side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew, Buying just takes some time, you know, and mm-hmm. and then I started getting where like, man, I'm with, you know, these two buyers, three buyers, and, you know, I've been with them for three, four days, um, but I have these listing appointments, you know, so then I was really struggling with scheduling and time mm-hmm. and being, then having off time. Yeah. I had my first, my first daughter or my first child um, also, so it was, um, you know, I was a new father, I wanted to be there a lot more than... Uh, before. So um, that's when we decided, hey, you know, Brittany's like, well, why don't we hire an admin? I'll become the buyer's agent. And then that's how we'll try to structure the team. So that's what we did. We did that in 2015. Um, So, yeah. So it wasn't too long. No, it was late 2015. So, yeah. And then from there, we've just, you know, taken off, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had some people come and go. Obviously, that's how teams are. Um, unfortunately, I, w- I wish some would say, but sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know. But, I mean, yeah, we we, we did good initially. Uh, we, we've done well every year. We continue mm-hmm. to do well. So, you know, I can't complain. But, yeah, probably in our end of the second year to third, beginning of third is when we started the team. Okay. And we had three of us. And then that worked out pretty well. It worked out really well. Um and then it got a little too much for me and Brittany because we were both 
coming and going. And then we had the baby still. And, you know, got, so then we, the admin became the buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. Basically, we brought another admin in. And then we added some people to our team because after that, I, I, I started, you know, I bought a lead gen system. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we had more buyer leads. So then they, they started focusing only on those. I started just focusing on listings and we started structuring it that way. So, and we're kind of, we're not really that way structured anymore, um, but similar, we've mm-hmm. adjusted. It's a long process. Nice. <laughs> with, with teams, it, it's, you know, I like to always tell everybody, everybody, you know, the team, the team, running a team is, is a lot of work. It's, um, you know, it's like, it's like running a business, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of like, you know, 360, they're, they're a great group, mm-hmm. you know, going from being under a, a big franchise to your old thing, it, it's going to take some business from me a little bit mm-hmm. because you have to do all the administrative stuff or the answer mm-hmm. to the questions or the bills or where we're going to move. And, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of slows you down as a team leader. It does to a little extent too. You know, you're, you're constantly talking to your team members, you're helping them, their questions and, you know, so. But do you feel like after you slow it down, you take the time to train them, mm-hmm. your yeah. new team members and get them. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's even, you're, basically gone even higher than you were before, even though you had to take a little bit of a dip and then now it's. Yeah. I mean, I think my struggles have always been um, sometimes as a team leader and even in the military, I was this way. um, And and one of my own team members now, his name's Adam Serrano. He was in the army with me. Mm -hmm. He was actually a CID agent with me. He was my NCO. I was the warrant. And then when I got out and started doing this, he got hurt his back and some things. And and he's like, I'm thinking about getting out. You know, what should I do? So come do real estate. He's like, I'm there. He moved his whole family. So he's here doing real estate with me. He does most of his stuff from home, though. But but he he had told me years ago, he said, listen, chief, you know, this was in the military and even goes into civilian. You can't want it more than the people that you're leading. Yeah. And sometimes that's been a fault of mine is I could see so much potential in somebody who says they really want to sell 50 houses or uh, be the best buyers, whatever it may be. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can help them get there, but sometimes they just, they want to get there, but they don't know what it takes to get there. And, you know, and, and, and I try to push and then mm-hmm. sometimes I want it more than they do. And then it just doesn't work out, you know? So that's mm-hmm. been a hard, hard thing as a team leader is getting people trained to where they want to be, or you train them where they want to be and they realize how much work it is, mm-hmm. you know, I had an agent on my team, um, sold four houses in one year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then she came to my team and by in five months, she had 15 oh, closed. Wow. And then it just was rough. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it's just too much. You know, I, uh, you know, basically said, I, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, if you want to sell 50, you know, cause that was the deal. I want to sell 50, 40, 50 houses, you know? And I think sometimes people don't realize that, um, and you know it too. I mean, you're real estate. Real estate's a tough business. You know, it really is tough to get going. But then even when you become successful, it's tough. You don't you become know? less busy at a certain point. Right. And and you get more people you're managing, right? Or you got, you say you got 30 sellers or 20 now, and then you got 10 under contract and then you got four buyers. I mean, all these different people are pulling at you. Your family's over there pulling, you know, and it, you know, like they always say, you know, more money, more problems. I guess more business, more problems potentially. So you gotta you gotta balance your life, and uh, sometimes that's tough. And it's, I don't want to say it's almost harder in the beginning, but I remember when I started last year, I was maybe four or five months in, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many I closed by that point. But I remember I had 
11 or 12 under contract pending that awesome. have all these other people. And I was losing my mind. I was like, I'm not organized. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't put in the work up front to be organized. I put it in right. to get all my leads. And then I was like, what do I do now? And I'm like, right. every day and night. It was wake up, work, mm-hmm. fall asleep, working. Yep. And it was like that for three months. And I, because I didn't get organized. So I put in all the work to get the business. And then I didn't know how to manage mm-hmm. any of it at all. I was surprised they all closed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that's a key point is a lot of, um, I call it the, you know, kind of the dead spot or the dark mm-hmm. spot is you go to real estate school and they teach you all this mumbo jumbo and all this contract stuff. It, and then you get out of school and you're like, yeah, all right, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to write a contract and get a listing agreement signed, but you don't know how to do it. So then you get, or you like you, you get out and you're like, yeah, and you start doing so well. And then you're like, wait, I have no organization of what I'm doing. You know, then you get, you get overwhelmed quick. I, I was there where I'm like, holy, you know, I'm, I'm at 10, 11 at night, you know, sending, you know, listing agreements or you know, offers. And the next morning I'm just starting all over again. And I feel like I'm just running and gunning nonstop. So yeah, it's we're real estate school. It's, it's almost, I, I guess it's like our, you know, our school system, right? <laughs> There's nothing to teach you how to be an adult yeah. or, or business savvy or, how to manage money, or you know, it's all about you know math, and then you know some spelling, and which is and, important. And I don't think that's anything against the instructors too, because they have yeah. so many weeks to teach you how right. to not absolutely how to not get in trouble in real estate. That's their mm-hmm. own goal. And then from there, it's almost yeah, you got to find someone who's able to show you what's going on or teach you, especially if you've never mm-hmm. managed, run a business, done sales like me. Like I was yeah. brand new to this world, so I was like. Right. Well, I'm just going to keep doing shit until it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and, and I think that's what it, mm-hmm. it takes is somebody, you know, you go into the business and you just, you know, don't be scared to try things and just do it. I mean, you know, the old school basics work, but nowadays you have to evolve. And like if you if you look at our market just here, there's companies you see that evolve. Yeah, and, the, and and their technology evolves, or what they're doing, or even their way of managing the business. That's right. Generally, absolutely, and, and they're doing well. The ones that are just like stuck where they're, you know, they're just it's just going to keep going. Their that history way. repeats themselves because they yep. don't want to change. They don't want to change, and or you know, especially well, especially <laughs> technology wise. That's the biggest thing is you have to you have to be up on it. Just you know, probably to be a little dangerous on it. You know, I think at least because. Nowadays, as you know, everybody, the younger generation is on the internet. They, they've got their phones. They know how to do this. They do that. So they think they know the job if, more mm-hmm. than you because they're just researching it or reading something, but they're not doing the day-to-day. So you as a realtor for sure have to stay up on times and, and things evolving mm-hmm. and be in tune with those things because you're going to get challenged sometimes, you know, and it's frustrating, but it's what it is. I mean, it's just adapting to the changes. Yeah. And right now, it's this whole age of information and technology. That's right. Just, and it's hard. Even for me, sometimes it's hard to stay mm-hmm. up to date on what's there, what's oh, yeah. going on. But it's mm-hmm. just like that's part of the job, too, is staying up to date. And, I mean, I know door knocking, cold calling could work as well. But I mm-hmm. feel like there's also other avenues of approach sure. nowadays that mm-hmm. – could work just as well. You just got to put in the time to learn it and understand it. Right. Because I feel like there's going to hit a certain point where mm-hmm. no one's going to pick up the phone anymore if it's a number they don't hear or 
Right. They're going to look mm-hmm. at my mailer and just be like, all right, in the trash. Not saying they don't work because right, right. Because I know they work very well. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I just know everything's changing so rapidly now. It's it's hard to stay up to date. It's really hard. Things that are working this week may yep. change next month, and you're going to have to – I think right. now the skill is to adapt. you got to learn that skill to adapt and quickly yeah, get up to speed as soon as something – some new trend hits. Yeah, I think you got to build your business, and, and most businesses are that way. You build them off different pillars mm-hmm. of things. You know, where you have a couple of different things. Like from real estate, you know, you want to be in the in the center and and just have as many lead sources coming to you versus just kind of focusing on one. Mm-hmm. Now, in the, when in the beginning, you want to focus in on something that you know that is working for you. Obviously, and you want to stay with it and tweak it, but then. Mm-hmm. You know, as you get going, you want to you want to add some things to to your business to to uh, diversify. Divert, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just you have to be that way. Mm-hmm. If not, you're you know, you're one deal away from being out of business. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, a lot of real estate agents. What is our uh, turnover is like 87, 88 percent, I think, first couple of years, because it's just that way. It's just mm-hmm. realtors come in. They think it's going to be easier or, or they're just not putting in the work mm-hmm. or. You know, they're, they're focused only on one piece of their business and then that goes away and then you're, you know, you're in trouble. It's funny because yesterday I was actually on a listing appointment and I was um, talking to the homeowner and I was like, you know, what are you doing? You're getting out. He's like, I have no idea. And we started talking a little bit more. And he's like, so what about real estate? What's that like? And I told him, you know, I was like, I was like, there's ups, there's downs. I was like, but it's a lot of work up front. And he immediately was like, nope. He's like, I'm not doing that. He's like, I want nine to five. I want to know what right. I'm off when I'm on. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I was like, well, you know what? That made me happy. He's like, at least you're being honest with yourself because a lot of people see it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially here in Jacksonville, oh, they yeah. think I'm going to get my license and it's going to be so easy because military is just in and out all the right. time. And it sounds easy. Right. Every other agent here also knows that. Yeah, absolutely. And even me. So, I mean, I was older when I came into the business and I I thought it would be a lot easier. I I mean, I'm thinking, okay, I go work for a, you know, traditional big name brand firm Mm -hmm. and people are going to come to the door. Right. And they're going to say, I want to sell my house today. You know, I want to I want to buy a house. And then not understanding there's a duty agent or somebody on, you know, that may get that or it doesn't happen that, you know. So then as I got in the business, I'm like, man, this this is crazy. I got to. I'm going to have to go find the business and be more of that. And, um, you know, so, and like you said too, real estate's really cutthroat business Mm -hmm. and it's, um, you know, being in a smaller town, everybody knows everybody. And um, so sometimes it makes it a little difficult, Mm -hmm. but I think um, nowadays there's more resources than even when I started, which Mm -hmm. is not long ago, six years ago. But I mean, ultimately, you know, uh, you got teams now. When I started the company I was with, I didn't have any teams then. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to think of if there's many teams even around that I can remember. I don't See, think so. That was one thing that I really wished I had gotten into when I first started mm-hmm. was just a team to kind of teach me the ropes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it any differently, but if I was going to tell someone who's getting yeah. in, like, get on a team because I didn't know what I was doing. I was going from office to office, agent to agent. Like, what am I doing here? What right. does this mean? Yeah. How do I do this? You know, and I, I was very blessed and very lucky to get as much business as I did. Right. But I felt like if I was on a team, I would have been able to at least manage it 
a little bit better than I was. Right. I, and I agree, too. I think that the good thing with teams, of course, is, you know, they're going to help structure what you're doing. Mm-hmm. They're going to teach you the business. You know, most the teams has been around and, you know, um, they have kind of systems in place to, to help and, um, you know, the mentorship and, and just things like that. Of course, leads. That's mm-hmm. going to be part of that, too. So, yeah, I definitely probably would have did the same thing if I had the opportunity. I would probably have joined a team um, just but, you know, and nowadays every, you know, you have everything on YouTube. I mean, I'm more of a YouTube guy now than I am a TV guy with all this crap going on. Oh, yeah. I don't watch any TV anymore. Even the news, I, I try not, you know. Um, so I'll, I just YouTube. Mm-hmm. I get to pick what I want to watch and and. You know, and then I go from there. But I mean, the ability to learn and and get better in the business is, is there by just that stuff. You know, like you were saying, you yeah. know, different and, ways to do it. And you got to be able to put in the time to learn because when I'm driving, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm always, I mean, that's the reason why I started this podcast is because all I ever did was listen to podcasts and books because I yep. was like, to me, even though I'm very young, mm-hmm. I was like, I felt like I had to catch up very quickly to everyone right get up there. So I was, it was nothing but real estate books and real estate podcasts and yep. this and that everything about business was just in my head 24 mm-hmm. 7 um because i felt like i just had to learn it all mm-hmm. and i didn't know where to go where else to go who to Absolutely. talk to i didn't know what i didn't know so i just hit up like one of my buddies who's a real estate coach up in newber and i was like hey mm-hmm. no offense i can't afford your services but <laughs> You, but I want to pick your brain. Yeah, but either pick, <laughs> I feel like, can I pick your brain, or can you just tell me right. podcasts or what books or something to listen to? Because I'm more of an auditory me learner. Me too. Me too. So I was like, just tell me, set me up. So before I even actually got my license, which probably would um, help me out a lot. Before I got my license, I was already learning everything about the sales and marketing, listening to other Good. realtors and everything. So when I got into it, I wasn't. I didn't act like I knew everything, but I had a little bit of a bigger base i'd set up for myself yeah mm-hmm. then it worked out very well yeah that's good and most don't do that yeah, yeah. i mean mo- even for me i do that every day i drive in and i'm listening to a podcast mm-hmm. so like even the last couple of days i'm doing mike ferry i'm listening yeah. to all of his stuff right now you know i go to tom ferry mike ferry you got buffini you got you got all these different and you know there's other ones as well that i listen to or read books or you know, listen to books i don't read them i fall asleep if i try to read them but I, I listen to them. So that's what I do too. I'm a big audible guy. And, um, but I, th- I think that's, that's the thing that separates the top from probably the, the middle to the bottom is those who are invested in themselves, no matter what that may be. And that, I think that's a hard thing to, to have everybody buy into. I've had a lot of real estate agents I've been around who want to come in the call lead, um, you know, that's all they're kind of wanting to do. Mm-hmm. They don't read any books. They don't do any audio. They don't watch any videos. They don't implement things that are taught to them, you know, and then they, it's the team, mm-hmm. it's the company, it's, you know, whatever it is, it's not them, you know. Yeah. But I think everybody in any business, you have to invest in yourself. You've got to learn. You've got to do that extra when you're driving in and listen to somebody mm-hmm. else that's more successful yeah. because you're going to, it's going to, Usually things will click, you know, or it will help influence you in a way if it's real estate or not. It, I just believe that a lot of from our business in real estate, a lot don't. They don't go to conventions. They don't watch YouTube. They don't mm-hmm. have a coach. You know, they don't buy into what their team leader is telling them. They don't, you know, and then their results are 
minimum. Mm-hmm. And um, now, do you have a coach? I have. I, well, I've had I've had two coaches in mm-hmm. my time. So I, I was a big Mike Ferry guy at him for a while, um, and uh, and it, and it worked well. It, it helped me. But as I went, um, I, I I realized that I I understand what I have to do. They they are just reinforcing what I needed to do more, mm-hmm. and still to this day I need to do more. You know, um, I had a I had a Tom Ferry coach, uh, great. It just didn't work out. That one was not a good one. Um, it was, he was more like a, um, you know, what do you want to talk about today? You know, tell yeah. me what your challenges are, or whatever. He didn't push me. The Mike Ferry guy pushed me. He was like, hey, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. And then next week, I'm going to follow up and I'm going to make sure you did it. Send me what you did, you know? So he made me do a lot more things, but ultimately reinforced what I was doing already. Mm-hmm. It just now I had to answer to him. He had accountability. But I had accountability of doing it, you know, and just having to hear him like, hey, come on, you only did 10, you should have did 50, you know, whatever it is, you know. But so I, I just realized that I just, I knew what I was needing to do and help reinforce that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at today. I I, um, I don't have a coach now, but mm-hmm. I have had it, yes. So. Do you um, feel like the one who had the more direct approach, do you feel like that was more mm-hmm. suitable for you just coming yeah. from military when we're just used to yeah. being told directly what to do. Yeah, it was, you know, for me, I, I, um, I had, a, you know, you always have a lot of ideas to do and blah, blah. So that when I was in the, the Tom Ferry program, that's, you know, I had a lot of ideas and that coach would help me and say, that's a good idea, you know, or try this system or try that, you know, but it was systems I already was talking to him about. So I would always introduce it. He would say, yeah, that's pretty good. Not bad, you know, but, it was really not tweaking my business mm-hmm. to go from where I was to where I wanted to be. It was just him kind of just letting me bounce things off him. It was just validation. It wasn't. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it was like we would just talk and it was like friends talking, which mm-hmm. is okay. That, I mean, yeah. I want my coach to be my friend, you know, but ultimately it was no push or I wasn't, I didn't think I was getting anything from where I was to where I wanted to be. Uh, the Mike Ferry approach is more direct. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's. His, the coach I had was a very direct, this is what you got to do. Yeah. You want to be here? This is how you got to make it. And he he broke down the business, my business. He said, I want you to send me all your numbers. I want to know where it came from, you know, how you got them, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he broke the, it down. And then, um, you know, then their next call, he kind of said, all right, I broke your numbers down. If you want to go from, I don't remember, you know, 50 homes sold to 100, this is where we got to go. And this is how you got to do it. And then he then he insisted I did it. So it was stuff that I knew that I needed to do and, and I did it. And um, yeah, I just, I felt like after, you know, a year or so I was like, yeah, you know, I'm okay now. I know where I'm going. And, um, but I think coaching is good. I, th- I think mm-hmm. um, you just got to find the right coach for you. Sometimes that's really the key. And don't, Cause the one that's right for you is not going to be the same one that would be right it, for me or someone else. That's right. Same thing with teams, team yeah. leaders or companies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, You've got to figure out what's going to be beneficial to you and, and uh, you know, th- what you're utilizing from those mm-hmm. things. If it's a coach or it's a team leader, if it's a company. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to you got to break that down for each individual. Mm-hmm. And everybody's different. And so yeah. you just recently switched over to EXP, which a lot of agents are doing currently. Yeah. Yeah, we're starting to see that influx, huh? Yeah, because I think uh, it was a 28. So I think 2018, I don't see people thought of it as a 
I don't want to use the word a joke, but people, yeah, yeah. people were almost like skeptical of it. They were yeah. like, I don't know if I trust this system. That was me. And I was, I was <laughs> one of them. I'll be honest, up until recently seeing everyone, yeah. not everyone, but a lot of bigger names move there. Yeah. And why, so why do you, why did you move over to EXP? And why do you think that like a lot of other agents and not, and they're not just like small agents. I mean, these are agents right. who are a lot bigger who are established mm-hmm. have a lot of business coming in yeah one of them was even my first realtor when i first got here yeah you know he moved over to exp mm-hmm. recently as well mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on it both personally and why you yeah. think it's attracting other people as well i think one i think more people are um, learning about mm-hmm. the ins and outs of it because if you i think the biggest thing for everything and and you're a you're a person i think could definitely understand is is people sometimes will hear something but won't invest in learning it themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like they're not going to read a book about it or, you know, you know. You, nowadays you could say something on anywhere and people will see it and believe it yeah. versus, uh, let me, let me, you know. So th- that's basically in the beginning, I was, I was called probably in 2000, I think it was 2017 from EXP. And the guy was trying, hey, listen, man, you got to just sit down with me and I don't remember the guy's name, you know. But he he wanted to bring me in. I was like, what? No, this is crazy stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know. I've never even heard of you. You know, you're not in this market. I'd be dumb to do it because you're used to, as an agent, the traditional models you've heard of. Yeah. So it's more of like you're comforting. It's a comforting thing. Mm-hmm. I already know. You know, I'm going to stay with them or go to one of them. But this I've never heard of. So I didn't. But one of the agents that are still with EXP, they did. They jumped on and they were they've been with them for a long time. Or she has. So, um, but for me, the interesting thing was I was at uh, the coal banker here and mm-hmm. I was hired as a recruiter. So I was on, the, I was sales. My team was one of the top teams. We top sales and top, uh, one of the top listing teams in the entire company. And um, they talked to me and um, brought me on as kind of like a business development director, but I did a lot of recruiting and helped all the managers. In that time, what I did was I started investing in that job. So right. I started researching all the models, Remax, Killer Williams, EXP, Century 21s, and I just researched all of them. And then when I started researching EXP, it was a whole weekend. And I thought, holy crap, like this can't be right. Yeah. You know, so I just, that made me, my maybe it's my investigative mm-hmm. side. I, mean, I just dug in and dug in and watched more videos and more people and more teams and who win and, you know, the reviews and then the paperwork I got. And I started just doing numbers and uh, breaking everything down and, um, you know, more for the recruiting side. So, and that's what I did initially for the first like time I looked at it for a while was more to learn about it Mm -hmm. in case I had to go up against it, trying to bring people to the company I was with. So in case you're going toe to toe, right? you had to learn yes you basically had to create counter arguments to that's someone right. who was about to go there that's for every company i had i, I had started developing sheets on Keller williams remax remax here was the big one was trying to convince because their model their model is a different model too right and mm-hmm. than the traditional so um quite honestly as i started talking to more agents more things started pushing on me that mm-hmm. i thought that made sense you should still come to our company. But internally, I was thinking, man, that made sense. And one of them is now an EXP agent, mm-hmm. by the way. He just joined probably about a month ago or two months ago. 
Um, and he's a producer, he's a five million producer or whatever, but I sat with him to bring him over to our company and he looked at me, he says, I just don't want to pay rent forever. You know, we're, we're in the business of keep getting people to buy homes. And I feel like when I go to the traditional model of paying rent and I thought, what? <laughs> so internally I'm like, wait, explain that to me. He said, well, you know, even if I come over there, I'm going to be at a certain level. Mm -hmm. And basically that's where I'll be. From what you're telling, you know, he was saying, from what you're telling me, Dave, you know, in order for me to get to the next level, I'm going to have to sell significant difference. I mean, it's a significant difference to get from uh, a top split to two, three more percent. Yeah. And he says, I just probably won't hit that, which is okay with me. But why would I take a pay cut to come over to you, you know, and then I'm never getting a promotion. Mm -hmm. And I sat there and I thought, man, that's right. I've been doing this for three years. I've sold more houses every year and I've never got a promotion. Yeah. I've, you know, I'm thinking that's okay. I mean, I'm not bitter about it, but then I started really thinking about it and well, that made me think of it. And it's funny you say that too, because I feel like it's very counter old school real estate culture to want to say, I want to make more money, but to, to say, I want to sell less, but make more money right? because everyone wants to be, wants to sell the most in town, everything that's very counter mm -hmm. to everything that we see that gets posted of how many millions and how many homes and all this that you sell. Yep. And it's very off the wall for someone to say like, well, I don't want to sell that many, I but I want to make the same amount of money. Right. And I think to some, especially in the traditional model, they haven't caught on to like a lot of people. I feel like even if you were in real estate, everyone today is just busier in general, like right. with people trying to be more with their families nowadays or be right. more into investing in themselves. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, well, like you, I think when mm -hmm. I first talked to you, you were like, yeah. well, I want to make the same amount, but I don't yep. want to sell quite as big because you were talking about your kids. You were talking yeah. about how you wanted to be there more for them. You wanted, right. you know, more family time mm -hmm. for you. And then this was the approach. Yes. And, and that's something that EXP offers that a lot don't. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, for uh, you know, EXP has some different, again, what we talked about a little bit, a little bit ago, they have different pillars or different avenues to your business that can help. Aside mm -hmm. from just me selling, last year we sold 113 houses, my team did. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the most units I've sold ever as a team. Um, out of those, I probably sold, I think, 73 of those, 74. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I had left, though. I left from September until February of this year. So a lot of that, you know, so again, that's still a lot of transaction at the times I did. But it just, when I did the numbers, if I just said 73 units I sold, what's it going to take me with EXP? And I'm not even talking capping, you know, because mm -hmm. there's a cap on it. I would have sold 61, you know. And that's extra time you could have. Extra time. Either extra time or extra money, but either yeah. way, it's... Less headaches. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're dealing with more people, more... I mean, so, you know, you got to look at things like that. And then I said, okay, at traditional models, you got the franchise fee. What are we using from the franchise? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think every agent's got to really... That's the problem is most realtors aren't business businesses. They're transactional type. Yes. They're just yes. worried. Oh, I got a buyer. Great. Okay. Now I just closed that one. Now, what am I going to do for the next buyer? Like, they're not a business. They don't have systems in place. They're not thinking longevity, mm -hmm. things that you're, you're constantly consistent. 
So for me, I think every realtor, if they're going to be in the business and they want to make money, like not just extra income, Mm -hmm. then I think they have to break their numbers down. Where's your business coming from? What is the company providing you that's helping you get the business, Mm -hmm. you know, or helping your systems or your business be organized? Yeah. Like we all have a problem with when we start and even sometimes daily sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. so um but that's what I did. I, I kind of broke that down and, and we paid a significant amount of franchise fees over the years. I mean, significant. Mm-hmm. And I was not using anything from the brand. Yeah. Now, the 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 um, when you break it down to the. Um, the the not the not the big brand, but the local brand for that. Mm-hmm. So the coal banker, nothing but. The individual brand here, there was things they had, which I did use, but that was for their purpose, right? Mm-hmm. But I was still paying 20% for that. That's how I yeah. was. I was at 80-20. Um, I just throw that out there. So, again, I was paying 20% of everything plus a franchise fee. So and then you were wondering where was that money even going to? Well, I mean, it wasn't I was wondering. Over. It just as I looked at it and said, okay, if I'm not using anything from the franchise, I've we've lost this amount of money in the last three yeah. years. Or really, almost every year I've been in real estate, I paid franchise fees, big mm-hmm. ones. And um, plus, I'm giving this. You know, what am I getting from? I'm getting an office, right? Mm-hmm. So then I started breaking that down. And then I started looking at what's a rent for office space. Yeah. You know, and I thought, okay, that's not even half of the franchise fee. Mm-hmm. If I if I bought, if I went into the nicest one, you know, biggest office, I would be half of my franchise fee when mm-hmm. I paid yearly. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, that still left us a lot more money left over, you know, and then that's not counting the 20 percent. So I just I really broke down the numbers. And if agents would get the printout, Mm -hmm. maybe I'm like getting people to maybe leave their office. But I mean, if you get the printout, just look at what you you made, you brought in into the business, Mm -hmm. the the company versus what you actually made. You're going to be astonished even at an 80, 20 or more because you're not seeing some of that that franchise fee or the other percent. You're, you're significantly losing a lot of income. That was one piece. And, mm-hmm. and then the other pillars are, you know, um, the stocks for EXP. Yeah, explain that a little bit more because I yeah. understand like all the fees because I was also at one point of the big box franchise. And once mm-hmm. I saw, yeah, once I saw how much I was actually paying them and how nice way I can say it, but how little I was actually right. even getting in return for mm-hmm. the literally tens of thousands of dollars. Right. I was paying them. I was like, I don't know what I'm, what the benefit is anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. because people are just, people were only using me because they thought I was funny and that was it. Right. (laughs) That's okay. That's good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So EXP, um, offer stock options. So, and here's the funny thing I've heard too is, uh, you know, stock, who cares? You know, Mm -hmm. what, what if we give you a hundred percent commission minus some fees? It's really, for me, I'm a more business person. Like I'm looking at, okay, if for me, I'm getting older, you Mm -hmm. know, and I don't want to have to sell a hundred houses a year for the next 20 years to have enough savings that I feel comfortable with or whatever. So I feel like why not, you know, I looked at the stock piece to the uh, EXP thing is, you know, your first closing every year you get awarded stock. If you recruit somebody over um, and they, their first closing, you get EXP pays you some stock as well. You can... Every closing, you can take 5% of your commission Mm -hmm. and it goes automatically to stock. So 
you are now, you've got some investment stuff going in with the world today of getting busier and busier. Mm -hmm. And um, because I've talked to agents who said, well, I could do that myself. But do you? No. Okay. How long have you been a realtor? 10 years. This is my point is if you're in a company who awards you that for just things you do, that's one way. And then you can actually take it out of every closing. So now you you develop a little portfolio for you mm-hmm. in a company that is, you know, on the stock exchange. So that's a good thing for retirement later. Of course, the market's going to go up and down. Who knows in 10 years where it will be? We don't know. But it. I looked at it as I broke it down pretty simple. Same thing I had to do to my wife is if we just do 80-20. That's mm-hmm. where EXP starts you at 80-20. So we, we, started where, yeah, we started where we have been. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you have no franchise fees. So just compare more money, EXP. Then, you know, if we do certain things, we're going to get awarded stock. Last company, got nothing. We got mm-hmm. nothing for that. No shareholder, no stock, right? We're not, have no, no, no say in what the company does or anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's how I broke it down. And then I broke the numbers down by this. And then if we capped, so the cap is 16,000. And, you know, there's some other numbers in there that you get taken out, but it's very minimal. You know, it's nothing like a franchise fee at all. Um, So, you know, those are the things that push me. And then there's a revenue share, Mm -hmm. which some agents, you know, if you look at like the Jay Kinders, Kyle Whistles, these are big agents that's come to EXP, for, you know, they're in different markets. So Jay Kinder was a number two agent for Cole Banker for years. He was an independent company and they got him to go to EXP because he saw that he can provide more for his agents or people in his company uh-huh. based on EXP than he could himself. You know, stock and revenue share and some other things you can't do as an independent Mm-hmm. Business. Now you could say, hey, Tom, I can give you 100% commission minus you know, maybe 450 bucks or something for every transaction. Okay. Mm-hmm. You make more money, but ultimately that's what you get, you know, and um, you may have to buy your own leads or, you know, each company's going to be different. But ultimately, EXP is providing a lot of these independents and big teams and people with different options to make money. So, like the revenue share, if I brought you over, you know, anything you close, EXP pays me some of that. Not mm-hmm. from your commission or not from from theirs. So you make, it goes right into your bank account. So then you can look on your dashboard. You can track all your numbers, your stock, your um, your revenue share for people you brought over. And, and it's pretty, it's like a business. Yeah. You know, it's a little different. Um, and you get a little bit more yeah. of that passive income, which is like right. the biggest word in investments or even real estate. Absolutely. Everyone's, everyone's hunting for the passive Right. income because I don't believe there's any real mm-hmm. no work income but right right but minimal yeah you know it's like my rental you know I have a couple rentals and and you know my wife my wife is more like immediate but I'm like hey long term we're good you know and then down the road we sell them and that's some retirement then you know when I'm like 60 then I sell them things we have a hundred thousand two hundred you know uh, but, you know, you may make 100, 200 bucks on a rental every month. Okay. It's not going to make you rich, but it's that passive income. You know, every month you get it, you know, and it's just, it helps. And um, that's what I tell my brothers too when they're, because uh-huh. they're both military as well, both yep. army. Uh-huh. And I was like, my older brother was about to sell his house. And uh-huh. I had to literally sit, talk to him over the phone, like, you got a kid, don't sell it. Just buy right. a new home whenever you get your new duty station and keep that as a rental so that way as soon as you get out. Yeah. You know, and I told him I was like, I was like, 
up front, it's not going to be much over right. the life of the of the house. Whenever you decide to sell it, 10, 15 years, or when you retire from the military, right? I was like, you're going to be very happy you held on to that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it it could give you the the you know, that passive income, you know, and, um, you know, you just got to hold on to things sometimes. And that that's one of the pieces, but it's a different pillar, right? Yeah. It's, you know, but realtors, I think they, from the EXP standpoint, they just don't understand it. And they're scared of what they don't understand. Because it's new. It's new. So, and everybody, you know, like, oh, it's virtual. It's all cloud-based and this and it. It is. Mm-hmm. So, but that's a good thing for most um, if you really get involved in it, you know, you don't really have to, you know, go anywhere or you don't have to answer to somebody in a sense. Um, you, you just do your thing. But training, they have probably about 18 classes a day with training that are live training. It's not you go on to watch a PowerPoint or something or a video that's not live. It's live training. And then they have those, too. That you can go to those where it's recorded or whatever. But it's a constant and it's not on EXP. It's on business. It's on listings or buying or whatever it may be. So you can incorporate that in your calendar and you can do training wherever you're at. Oh. Yeah. And so like I can go right in there and go right into the training all day if I wanted to. Um, And, you know, from my computer. Another piece that I think was a a really showed me EXP would be the way Mm -hmm. is the virus. COVID-19 happened, you know, mm-hmm. so. So explain it on that because now I'm yeah, very curious. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, in January is when it started coming around, right? I, I was still doing a recruiter thing or whatever. And then um, when was it? March or so um, when things kind of shut down more yeah. than anything where, you know, it, my team wasn't going in. I said, listen, let's just work from, you know, remotely this and that. So as I started re- working and our business still was moving, and then I seen all the other off all the other traditional brokerages start doing all this virtual stuff and then saying, hey, our business doesn't stop. We can do it virtual. Mm-hmm. But those same businesses criticized the EXP model because they're virtual. You know, you're right. So that I sat there and I thought, wait a minute, isn't that what EXP is? I, of course, all the numbers I was doing too. I'm like, wait a minute, EXP has been doing this. They're not skipping a beat. Now all these other models are saying they can do what they always knock DXP for because they have to adjust. Mm-hmm. But DXP didn't have to adjust. They just, because that's how they, all their closings, I never have been paid faster than a company. EXP pays me instantly. I get the disbursement the day of, they get the check. When they, all we do is scan the check and the CD to them. I'll get the disbursement saying it's going to my account either that later that day, if it's early morning, or the next morning, it's in my account instantly. Simple. Oh, wow. So, but things don't skip a beat. But these, all these traditionals during the virus said, oh, you know, we can do it too. But they always knocked that model. You know, oh, that that ain't going to last. You can't do this. So they're this. doing basically what they were talking crap about the entire time. That's correct. So I sat there and I thought, I'm like, uh-huh. So, they, so this is a model that works because they're now pushing to do it because they have to mm-hmm. versus here. But... You know, and, and that's what made me start really thinking like, hey, you know, let's let's see how we do. So from like March to May, I kind of, May is when we made the, the move, but I was kind of very, you know, watching our numbers and things like that. You know, some things went down, listings went down a little bit, you know, for us normally we'll list more. Um, but that's a given based on what was going on. People just were like, hey, I don't want people walking through my house. Mm-hmm. Got it. I understood, you know, but the buying and stuff like that. No, we, we're, we're still on pace and everything's good. 
But that really made me think, okay, so how many times have we met clients in our office, in the office where we were and, and did yeah. things? Rarely. Your buyers, you're, you're kind of meeting at these houses or you take them to lunch or whatever it is, right? And then your seller is usually meeting at their house, you know, and walking the property and kind of getting to know them and things like that. I rarely have had clients come to my office unless it was to drop off a check, a gift, or um, make a, a selection for a, one of the builders I have, mm -hmm. which I can do that at a model home, yeah. which we do, right? Um, and that's another thing too is EXP doesn't provide office space. So you got to kind of figure that out for yourself. But a lot of agents don't even realize if they have like an, a builder, make that your office space. Because I'm most builders love that. If you're not sitting out there already, say I'm sitting out there every day now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, then you put signs out, and they're going to want you to do that if you're not doing that. Most of them do. A lot of a lot of the agents are already kind of doing that. Um, but if not, that's an idea. Or you have an investor sit out at some of his flips, or something like that. You can make that your basic office space here and there. But I mean, you know, th those are just just things that I really started looking at and um, really and my, then I got my wife and then I presented to the team. And and again, for the team perspective, an individual caps like me, a team leader is going to cap at 16,000. If you're on my team, you're capping at 8,000. Mm -hmm. A little different. And that's what the benefit is. And they still get stocks. They still get so. So they still get all the benefits. They get all the benefits, a smaller cap. Right. Um, so I told my team, I can't give you. What EXP can give us here where we're at. Mm -hmm. You can't move up because of what I, I'm already paying for, for the team leads and um, some systems that I have and things like that. So, you know, I think it's a better opportunity for all of us. And here's why. And I just presented it to them. And I said, you guys have to make your decision. Did you have any resistance to no, it at first? No, none. None? None. They looked at it. Uh, they said, well, Two of them just said, I don't care. We're going with you. It doesn't matter where we go. Okay. So I, I appreciated that. Mm -hmm. One was a little harder. Uh, she, you know, she said, well, where are we going if we do move? You know, and then she wanted to see the numbers of, you know. Which what, is fair. Yeah, which is fair. She just wanted to, you know, see what, what was different and how uh, how it was. And uh, But it, it was not like hard at all. She was like, yeah, I'm there. And then we, we did have one stay, but she was moving. She's already moving to a different city. So she's like, oh. I just don't want to move companies and do that. And then I'm moving anyways. And mm -hmm. I get it. She had a lot of friends over there where we were at. So I get it. But um, but the rest of the team came. And, and um, you know, it just provides from a team leader or a business owner of like an independent company, it provides you a little bit of relief and also things that you can't give them. Mm -hmm. You know, and from like a independent being a broker in charge, you, you got all the responsibilities and have to deal with all that. You know, if you're an independent company, you go to EXP, you got a different broker in charge to manage what you have. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Now you can focus back on whatever you want to focus on, you know, and uh, and you still will collect revenue share off of those agents as well as, you know, whatever you worked out as far as commission too, potentially. But what so, happens if you leave EXP? Do you still collect the revenue share or have right. those stocks or? You have the stocks that mm -hmm. you, uh, but they're vested. So the stocks that are awarded to you mm -hmm. are are vested for three years, Okay, which is okay. And I get that. That's you fair. Know, because they don't want people coming over and all of a sudden, you know, I'm cashing out and you leave in a month or two or whatever. Um, but anything you buy that you, you purchased out of your commission or you buy it, you can buy now EXP stock. I had an agent in South Carolina who ended up leaving a company um, and then come to EXP. But based on our conversation, he bought stock and he and doubled his money. Our stock has doubled, which 
knock on wood, hopefully it keeps going. Uh, mm. But, you know, it's going to fluctuate. Um, but, yeah, so you keep anything you purchased is going with you. Yeah. Cool. So it's not bad. Yeah. So that that's what I like, too. Mm -hmm. And now say if if I brought you over to EXP and then you brought over Johnny Smith or whoever it is and you leave, he's still under my revenue share, too. I don't oh. lose him because you're the connect. So EXP doesn't try and take it out from under you just mm -hmm. because they're like, well, the original person who recruited him is gone. So we're going to take right. what what nope. all is left. Exactly. Yeah. And that would suck. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, ultimately you could have a huge... You know, what, what everybody calls it, I, I've talked to some people, is a pyramid scheme. You know, mm -hmm. you get somebody. Every office is a pyramid scheme. They just don't know that. Yeah, you know, everything mo is a <laughs> mo Most don't know that. You know, like managers in all these offices, they're getting paid a salary. Mm -hmm. And then they usually get a small piece of commission from each sale. Yeah. So anybody they bring over or that's there, it's a similar appearance. They're still making money off that them people. Yeah. Or them agents, I said people, but them agents, you know, so it's it's similar. But the problem is nobody knows that. They don't understand the model, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and they're worried that if they go, they don't have supervision. Some agents are that way. They're mm -hmm. so used to having a broker charge there. But you I mean, do. that's why I'm where I am where I am, to be yeah. honest, because I was like, uh -huh. I was like, you know what, I... Personally, I'm not mature enough to be able to hold this mm -hmm. myself, everything. I can sell, do the transactions. But I was like, yep. I still need, being as young as I am in the business, someone over me who I mm -hmm. can just walk in and be like, I'm confused or I think I'm screwing this up. Right. You know, for me, yep, I needed that. So that's why I went. A lot of I, agents do. Yeah. And yeah. I left, you know, big firm, everything. Where I was paying all the stuff to go to a smaller. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't really know if I like using the word boutique anymore. But just a smaller, mm -hmm. yeah, independent, independent, yeah, you know, yeah, you do well. firm, and mm -hmm. it's a good firm. I like it, and mm -hmm. it does well for me. And I just needed. I told them because I, I had no intention of being, you know, number one in right. the town or state or anything like this. So yeah, kind of. I just want to sell, you know, enough that makes me happy and helps out. That's it, right? But I also need the supervision because I was like, mm -hmm. you know, I can't do this on my own. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I I think from a from the traditional models that are here, mm -hmm. those who are there are there for the relationships they built with those owners. Yeah. Right. That's number one. Number two is the backing from those people. You know, if something goes wrong in certain people's businesses, those owners will, or, or brokers in charge will jump in and they'll fight for them. They'll, they'll do a little bit agent. more based on who the agent is, but yeah, they'll, they'll, they're there for that backing. And some of those agents don't want to deal with issues. I know this for a fact, you know, I, I, I don't want to deal with it here. Talk to my broker in charge and they move on. Right. Mm -hmm. Even in the internal team issues. Oh, I can't, you know, I don't do that. I, I've never been one to push on to my broker in charge ever. So for me, it was like, I had great relationship with all of them, my broker in charge basically. And, but it, it, it just wasn't enough for me to stay to say, you know, I can go in there and figure it out. But, I, you know, I pretty much got a grasp now of what I need to do and how to do it. But like EXP has a couple of representatives. Yeah. What people don't realize is when you come to EXP, you fall under a sponsor. That sponsor is going to help you through the EXP stuff and help you with business mm -hmm. because it benefits them. So like that's something that's different. If you br brought me in, you want me successful because the more I sell, you'll make more revenue share too. Mm -hmm. It helps you. The more that I like EXP, I'll stay. So you're going to – everybody has a leg in it. 
Do you feel like that system is better incentivizing Mm -hmm. the people who are bringing other people in, incentivizing them to help others some more versus Mm -hmm. the other traditional model we see where, I don't say people are pit against each other, but it's like so-and-so is catching up to you. You might want to try try selling more. You don't want to lose to Mm -hmm. them, do you? Yeah. Do you feel like it's a lot Mm -hmm. more productive from EXP's end to do that? Yes, I do because it it pays for everybody to be involved with each other. Mm -hmm. So like we have our own Facebook page, you know, think groups. So Mm -hmm. my group, I fall under Jay Kinder, who's out of uh, Texas. So his group, you know, Kinder Reese, they're a coaching company, all this. I get his coaching, right, for free because I fall under his company Mm -hmm. and I get his assistance with all his admin, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from the EXP standpoint and things like that. You get all of them. Kyle Whistle, if you ever, he's in the San Diego, same thing. Anybody falls under Kyle Whistle's group, you get Kyle Whistle, man. He's mm-hmm. going to personally help you and coach you through things without paying you or paying him. Sorry. People are not realizing that. They think that they're sitting over here at 123 Real Estate and they're next to the top producer, but that top producer doesn't help you. Because, well, there's no reason for them. It, it, there's no incentive unless they like you. And there mm-hmm. are top producers like yeah. me. Listen, the company I was with, I was I would do training in offices. I went to training at all their offices. I would go there and do lead gen training, you know, and I'd get a gift card or whatever. But it wasn't like they were paying me any more extra money or whatever. But I would do that because I wanted to help. You don't see that. And I had agents always stop me and say, why do you do that? Why do you go and share all your what you know to do and how to do things? Isn't that Isn't that like telling your secrets? I'm like, there's no secrets in real estate. There really isn't. Except for you may not have heard of a site that I went to to get like expired numbers. Okay, so what? If you really research the crap, you figure it out. Yeah. So I'm not worried about doing that because most people are not going to do that, mm-hmm. do the work. They want to, some will, but that's okay. Um, but EXP, everybody has a leg in it. Mm-hmm. Jay Kinder wants me to be successful because if my team sells a lot, it, he makes more revenue share and helps him too. Not saying that's a main point, but mm-hmm. it's part of it. Yeah. And then he gets more stock as well. Yeah. You know, because we if we do it, my first transaction, he got some stock. Yeah. Right. So I will tell you this. There are certain people in EXP that are making six figures on revenue share. Now, that's not the norm. OK. But there are where they don't even sell real estate anymore. They're just concentrating on bringing people over and helping their businesses. Even if it's even five figures of passive that's, just recruiting people, that's ridiculous. I, I, I'm thinking so much smaller, but yes. But I'm saying even if I made 30, 40 K a year. Right. Passive income. That that sounds very attractive. It is. And again, it, it, you know, for certain groups, it's not the norm. Obviously you're not gonna make six figures, but there are a lot of team. Like for me, I will tell you as a team leader, I came to the company here, Mm -hmm. uh, not EXP, but my last company, because it had multiple offices and I wanted to expand my team. Yeah. That became very hard. It just uh, ins and outs of doing that and trying to get people in those markets and then getting them trained up how you want them to train. You know, it was it was rough um, here. EXP, I can establish the same type thing because you could be in any market, yeah. you know, and uh, and sa- same systems without having to do all the work of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you're collecting revenue share. And you'll collect some commission from the agent if they're on your team. So from a team leader standpoint, it makes sense. You know, um, you can do it that way and you can provide more things to your team members too, but because you're making a little more. 
but everybody's invested in helping. Every day there's referrals that go through our site. Mm -hmm. Every day you're getting referrals. Every day that referrals are going, hey, I need an agent in Jacksonville. I need an agent in California. I need, you know, here, here, here. It's a constant. Yeah. And uh, but just people just don't understand EXP. They mm -hmm. don't, they haven't researched it enough or talked to somebody who can give them the answers. They're listening to their broker in charge say, Oh, it's not gonna last. It's been around. I think it's been around since 2004, 2006. I should know that, <laughs> but it's one. It's been around a while, um, and they just have, you know, grown and grown and grown. And now they're, they're finally hit that maturity point where it's attractive to agents because even... people are listening now mm -hmm. more. Because even me, I didn't listen to that call 2017. I'm like, oh, I don't got time to be discussed. Did you know he was recruiting a recruiter? <laughs> At that time, I wasn't. You know, I was just a, a, an agent. But yeah, I was like, I don't know what the hell these. What the heck? You know, EXP. What the hell is that? You know, and I just I wouldn't even listen. And I think that's the biggest thing too. Is some agents, even when I was doing the recruiter stuff, you know, it's like, let me just meet with you. Let me just present you what I think we can offer you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take it. If anything, go back and use it against your firm now and get a better deal. I don't know. People just won't even sit down. They won't even listen to business. And I get it. You know, some people are very loyal and things, but at the same time, you got to do, you got to look out for your family sometimes yeah. more than the person that, you know, you're working under. Um, so and I think it's also really hard to, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know what it's like being a recruiter, but mm -hmm. a lot of agents, I feel like are almost afraid to get caught talking to Only another here. company because they don't want to be treated differently if yeah. they go back into their office the next week. Right. Like, well, I heard you were hanging out or talking to this person from a different company. You're and right. You're right. It's almost like this weird cliquish mentality of like, you it know, is. it's like, well, why would you hang out with them? You know, now we're going to treat you differently. It's like, well, that's a great right. way to push them out of the company now if they weren't it, thinking about it before. Absolutely. And again, what I always put in perspective is this. If you're scared to meet with a broker charge to potentially get a promotion or to leave, you probably shouldn't be there. Like, mm -hmm. what kind of relationship have you established there? Mm -hmm. And like you said, here, this market is so crazy because, you know, I talk to agents all over the world, you know, and you go to Charlotte and these EXP agents have a lot of these lunch and learns about EXP. They'll get 50, 60 agents in there for all different companies. Here, we wouldn't get one yeah. because they'll say, I'm not going in there because what happens if Tom's in Tom's in there? Tom's going to tell Adam or, you know, or Johnny or Jimmy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like whoever it is, you know, whatever company, they're scared. Because you got to do smoke and mirrors and do these backroom meetings all yes, the time. Like, it, hey, I want to meet you, but, but I can't meet with you. So if we can meet some random place. it's and, and I don't get it, you know, and that's what I will always say is my last company, you know, the Colbank, best organization. Great. Mm -hmm. I have nothing but great things to say about them that, you know, it just, this was a, a great opportunity and that's why we went this way with them you know the transition and movement great no issues i didn't have to worry about craziness it was nothing you know the, the weirdest thing we had to worry about was lock boxes i mean yes. you know which is gonna come you have to do that yeah. return the lock but but yeah it's you can do a lunch and learn in these big bigger markets and other markets and you'll get 50 people there mm -hmm. just to hear it um to figure it out here, you know, if we try to do that, we, we'd probably get two, if that. I mean, we, it just, people are just very worried and, you know, I don't tell them and blah, blah, blah. And just crazy. The word, word gets around quick. Right? right. And word gets around. And then, like you said, mm -hmm. then they are blackballed mm -hmm. in that, op or they're treated crappy or blah, 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 blah. Or 
it's like, okay, if that if that's what's going to happen, if you know that, mm-hmm. why are you with that company? Yeah. It's the same thing like I always said is if you're with a company that you can't even leave with your own listings and mm-hmm. stuff like what, and you're scared to leave because of that, that's telling you that company is not loyal to you. They're loyal to what you can bring the company. And then if you're going to leave, you're not taking what you brought to the company. Yeah, and that's that was actually <laughs> one of the big things that attracted me to my company too was mm-hmm. they told me like, hey, if you're going to leave, just give us a 90s day, 90 days notice. Oh, that's and good. Yeah. We'll help you out. We'll help you transition. Mm-hmm. We had an agent leave mm-hmm. and she wanted to do it privately, which mm-hmm. was fine. Yeah. But they were like, can we throw you a lunch? Can we do something for you? Because she right. wasn't like she was leaving town. She was literally going just to another brokerage in right. town. But they were insisting, you know, they're like, can we throw you a lunch? Can we do anything nice. special? Celebrate anything? Don't ever see that. And they, <laughs> and she was just like, she's like, no, no. She's like, I'm fine. She's like, yeah. Um, she's like, I just, feel like I'm better fit there. And there was no animosity, nothing. And there shouldn't be. There's no middle of the night, like (laughs) gossip or rumors. Like I heard they did this. It Mm -hmm. was just this whole thing of like respectfully. Right. I'm going there. Okay, cool. What could we have done better? We're not going to try and convince you. Right. This day, is there anything we could have done better? What do you think? Yeah. It was very open, clear communication. And it went smoothly. It went smoothly. And everyone was on the same page and it wasn't a topic of discussion right later on, you know, like I heard this, I heard that. And that's that. how it should be. I don't I don't understand why it's not. I mean, I really don't. You know, I've had agents come and go on my team. I always wish them the best. Now there's some that we had a bad split based on certain things, but that's very rare. You yeah. know, and and I think from a company standpoint, I think that's how it should be. You don't want to burn those bridges because, you know, you never know when that agent may consider moving back. Yeah. You know, and, and again, you know, they have had a great relationship with you and they've done well. You, you know, the company should want them back. But mm-hmm. some companies around here, I mean, they'll, whew, they'll burn those bridges real quick, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and for nothing. And, it, and it's nothing personal. It's, you know, most of the time it's not, you mm-hmm. know, and I just think our business is crazy here sometimes. You yeah. know, I don't I can't grasp, you know, why we all just don't figure that out a little better. Mm-hmm. But um, but again, I think that's where. People have to, as a realtor, you have to look at your, as a business, look at your numbers and then look at, you know, those perspectives. Are you scared to leave? If you're scared to leave, then probably you shouldn't be there. That's just a weird dynamic, you know, Um, if you think you're going to leave for something better, Mm -hmm. you know, and you may be a mistake, you know, maybe you want to go back. But I mean, ultimately, if you're scared, then I think that's a bad, bad deal. Just a bad model to be running. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. You know, it's. You want your agents to be comfortable with you. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think all of us should be comfortable because we're all independent contractors, yeah. number one. We, you know, we do, we're going to do what we do as long as we, you know, fall in line with the policies of the company or, the, you know, the bosses there. But, you know, if I decide, hey, you know what, I just think it's better if we're going to go over to your XYZ and try it out. Yeah, and see, you know, but I, I appreciate everything done. You know, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, I definitely want to come back. You know, it should have that relationship. You know, it shouldn't be like, oh, you're going to leave. We'll get your stuff out today or by the weekend or by five o'clock today or immediately or and your listings you're not taking. And, you, you know, I'm going to call every single one of your yeah, listings. I'm going to your database you. or something. I mean, I've had agents leave offices that I, I've talked to said they took my whole database and emailed every one of them. I'm like, what? I mean, you know, it's just it's crazy. I just feel like I know it's a business, but it doesn't help that company anymore. It, I, it doesn't help your case because now you just you yeah. didn't just burn the bridge. You yes. destroyed all evidence. And of the that bridge. agent will never go back, nor tell people to go there, nor uh-huh. you know if clients 
you know, or what it just will hurt that business. The same, it's the same thing with keeping a person in a listing agreement who you guys just don't get along. Yeah. Say, so you know what, Tom? I don't care, man. You sign out for six months. I don't care. It's been one month. You're stuck with me. Yeah. I'm just going to withdraw it and you can't sell it. It doesn't do me any good. I mean, I, do I want to, sometimes with sellers, I want to do that because I'm like, oh, God. you know, but ultimately, you know, they're not going to like me anymore yeah. <laughs> as we keep going and they're stuck with me. Um, and, and it's not going to help my reviews. It's not going to help my team. You know, it just does nothing mm-hmm. rather than me saying, you know what, Tom, you're right. It's just not clicking. We're not getting along. I, I know I could sell it, but you need somebody who can do something different. You know, here, I'm yeah. going to let you go. And because I think that they appreciate you more than, mm-hmm. you know, most do. It's almost like whatever anyways. But ultimately, most of them will appreciate that, yeah. you know, versus you keep them locked in. And I think some of these companies, that's what they do is I've talked to a lot of agents, even lately. And a lot of them, man, I just, I'm scared. And I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> they're scared to leave. And they're scared because of their business. They, they feel like that if they leave, that company just going to hold that business, yeah. which they may. I don't know. You know, you never know. And and it's just sad. Well, and know. you see a lot of agents right now, which is why I really want to talk to you, is just mm-hmm. leaving to go to EXP or mm-hmm. a lot are leaving to create their own companies, their own yeah. brokerages, which is pretty cool. Yep. And they're not, they're not small small producers at all these right. people who are leaving i mean these are some mm-hmm. pretty big names and people who are yep. selling a lot who are just like you know what i want to do it on my own now yeah and yeah. It's, a, it's just really cool to start seeing i hope i don't hope the big box franchise and everything fall or anything mm-hmm. they fail i just hope that they catch up and they learn yeah at the end of the day that's all i can hope well, for well again i think each of those franchises can can change their setup. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's another, uh, there's some other companies that are big franchises, but their pay structure is different. Mm-hmm. They have some caps and some things like that. So you can do that. It's just some of these franchises are not going to do that. And the reason why is the overhead is so much. Yeah. You know, when you have three, four offices or more, you're paying all those salaries to man them offices, the electric bill, water bill, mm-hmm. you know, the lead systems for them areas and the people, yeah. you know, the manager or I mean, so you have to keep your commissions to a certain height. You can only go so much because you got to make up some money, you know, and and that and then it's going to recruit consistently. And that's the motto is, you know, we get schools, we can recruit from the schools and it kind of, you know, Tom's out and Dave's out. But we got Johnny and Jimmy coming in and they may not sell as much, but we can maybe, you know, get 10 cycle, sales. Just cycle. Just a cycle. Yeah. I mean, I had a company years ago when I first started um, that they said, we don't care who they are because we'll get five sales from their SOI. We'll just get the next Tom and Dave, mm-hmm. you know, in five months if they leave and then we'll get their five sales. Can't say it's not profitable. but yeah, Right. Right. <laughs> but that it's like, oh my, you know, that model is just like, Okay, again, business, I get, but it's, you know, it's... I think people are a lot smarter now. And right. even smarter now than four years ago. Yeah. Like, I think absolutely, it's almost exponential at this point, the yep. growth that we're mm-hmm. incurring. Right. And I think it is very hard. If you've been doing something for 15, 20 years and it's worked, mm-hmm. and you've seen new things come and not work, and what you've been doing is working, like, yep. I think it's very hard to change and to accept that something else is going to come in and might wreck your, I mean, it was hard um, for yeah. taxis when Uber and Lyft came into town, you know? That's right. 
and it's not like Uber or Lyft were any cheaper. But right, it was just right. it was just the way it was presented. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of resistance from the taxi industry mm-hmm. with their or they call them the medallions or they're like super expensive things that you're certified taxi. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now they're pissed off and it's like, well, there was a time where you could have mm-hmm. changed your model. and That's grew, right. But you didn't. You didn't. You stayed. Yeah. Prehistoric or whatever you yeah. want to call it. But that's funny. You mentioned it as because EXP said that's their biggest thing is taxis Uber. Yeah. Right. You got Netflix, Blockbuster. You know, their thing is the traditional model EXP. It, it's way different. Agents now, it's centered, our model is centered around the agent, not mm-hmm. the company. I mean, it's it's with your marketing, our signs. You can have your own signs and you can have 50 different signs if you want. You yeah. don't have to have just one standard approved sign, you know, and then that sign is mostly for the company and then you get a name writer yeah. or you get big company, your name, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the things like, I don't think people really are sitting and thinking it's a big deal. Because either they're just not doing a lot of business or they're just not thinking business. Yeah. But those things like EXP is centered around the agent and lets, you know, and a lot of independent companies are that way. They're more agent centric, mm-hmm. you know, paying the agent more money to do more with. Because um, I, I think it also comes from the same pains we all experienced of, mm-hmm. you know, they left because they felt like they weren't being treated properly by their company. Right. So now they're going to make sure that they don't repeat the same mistake that happened before. That right. They want to give their agents a mm-hmm. lot more than yeah. just the brand name. They want to actually sit there and help them out. Right. And now this isn't for all the big box companies, but like I have seen some people who are in charge of these big franchises in town who are mm-hmm. shifting their model because they realize yeah. that the brand is cool, but the agent's worth more. And I'm starting to see some of these broker in charges like, all right, right. I'm going to start shifting how I work with this. And I'm really going to make this my agent's top priority, even though I'm under the franchise, right? I'm going to show more love to my agents. Yeah. And I, I think that's, it's like our business. Our business is a relationship business. Mm-hmm. You know, if everybody likes you for being funny yeah. or, or it could be you're very stern and you know your, your shit, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, but th- they're going for the relationship. Um, and I think managers or broker charge owners, they've got to understand to build those relationships with their agents. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise. That's that's yeah. Otherwise, somebody can mm-hmm. and usually will, will take them, you know, and, and I, I don't know if it's always going to be the number one thing, because I always had good relationships. Like I said, with people from my last game, I have great relationships. I have nothing but respect. It just wasn't going to keep me there just because of that. Like I have to, you know, I've looked at everything else. And mm-hmm. for me, and, and I think some agents have to look at different pillars of revenue versus, you know, I'm selling 100 houses a year and then I got to invest well, every dime I have into the saving or whatever. I, I guess almost to value themselves and their time and their yes. family more than just the nice, I sold this many houses this year mm-hmm. posts that they make on Facebook yep. and Instagram. Right. To be able to, mm-hmm. because I'll be honest, if I sold a hundred houses, but I didn't see my wife, I wouldn't care. Yeah, right. right. I mean, you, you know, I was listening to a podcast this morning that brought that up. That they, <laughs> it was so weird. And Mike Ferry was talking about that, that, you know, there's a lot of that um, friction with agents. You know, I man, you know, I want to, you know, that guy sold 100 houses, but he's never home or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, 
they sold five and they're mad because they don't have any money. Yeah. Like, so he was saying that you got to figure it out. Like you can't be bitching over here about no making no money and you're not doing anything mm-hmm. and criticizing the guy or you think is not being with their family, but selling way more. Like, yeah, there has to be a balance. You got to try to find that balance for you as an individual. It, it's rough. Well, because everyone's different because some people, yeah. that's fine by them. Right. To either not make as much or not spend as much yeah. time at home. That's right. But for other people, they value different things. And I think the approach and leadership of broker in charges here has mm-hmm. been just universal. And the thing is, it's been universal. We got to make sure you sell more this quarter than you did last quarter. I don't mm-hmm. not say they don't care, but they are right. They don't take into account a lot of them family. They don't take into account mm-hmm. extracurriculars or even, you know, mental health or physical right. health or, sure. you know, other goals mm-hmm. they may have. Um, and I think it's almost ignorant to believe someone only just wants to sell yeah. more. Right. That That's all they want is to sell more. Right. I think everyone wants something else. And some people, I think, know their limits of how much they can they want to sell. They know they right. can sell more, but they want to sell this much mm-hmm. and hang out with their family. They shouldn't have to walk in and be judged based on that. Right. And I, and I think the biggest thing is not so much the company saying, you know, what do you want to sell? It's. You know, financially, where do you want to be in the mm-hmm. next year, two years, that's comfortable for you? Yeah. I mean, that's what it should be focused on. Agent, you know, centric, mm-hmm. right? Is where do you want to be? Like, I don't think you come here or go wherever and say, you know, you need to be here and you got to sell 30 houses, 20 houses, or every quarter you do this. But, you know, if you want to make this amount of money because you want to pay off your car or you want to pay yeah. your house or whatever it may be, we focus on helping you do that, mm-hmm. you know, for you. And then if you get into it and you realize, man, this is too much work or it's not enough, you know, then we help you adjust. You should be able to scale up or back That's without right. judgment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those conversations probably don't happen more than, hey, look, you know, we got to get your numbers up or, you yeah. know. So I, I think you're right there. I think, you know, it, again, it comes down to being engaged with your people, your agents, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a team leader or if you're the broker in charge, you got to develop those relationships to say, you know, this agent here wants to do 10 houses, wants to sell 10 houses. I'm going to help him get there, yeah. figure that out, right? Because he wants that income is going to be all they want. Mm-hmm. This one wants to be a top number one brag. I, d- yeah. d- you know, I got to, you know, I got to adjust to figure out where, how I can help him get there or her there, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's just I think that's where it comes down to the relationship building. And that's what we lack in our business, mm-hmm. you know, and in a sense of <clears throat> realtors with their people. And then you have offices with their agents sometimes. And also, I will say this, they're holding a lot of they're wearing a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. Some of these people at the top. I mean, yeah, they are expected to be really good at marketing and sales. And then mm-hmm. also now they're putting this leadership role. They're expected to know all this stuff and be right. up to date. And I feel like it's very hard mm-hmm. to hold all those hats if you aren't actively sitting down and trying to learn it yourself. And if you right. were coming from the sales background in general, mm-hmm. it's going to be very hard because right. you're going to have to adjust and tell people to do things that you never did. But, you know, to admit that what you did work for you in the past is right. not going to work for someone today. I feel like it's a very hard thing. It is. Yeah. And I, I think from the real estate perspective, that stuff you have to research and look mm-hmm. at, like what is what's going to work no matter what market you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, but you you got to invest in yourself <clears throat> to either get better at it, yeah, or, or not. And then you got to do things that the time has evolved into. 
you know, there's agents who are like, oh, I'm never going to Instagram. I'm not going to go to social media at all. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, you're missing a whole thousands upon thousands of potentially leads or, or yeah. I mean, there, I, I can count. I mean, there's a bunch that I've got that way, right? Mm -hmm. that, that just from being engaged in that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, um, but people just don't want to evolve or, or do that. Um, it, it's crazy, yeah. you know, again, but it comes down to them figuring out where they want to be in their careers, mm -hmm. whatever that is, you know, and, and to try to try to learn and adapt and, and invest in for their future, yeah. whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in real estate, it's people think they want to do certain things and they get out and they start doing real estate and they realize it's hard. It's a lot different than they thought. Um, and they don't adjust yeah. and then they fall out or whatever. You just got to adjust. Yeah. Well, we have hit about an hour and a half so far. Yeah. So cool. put in your plugs, tell people where they can find out more about you and we'll have to do this again. More about me. Uh, well, or just your business pages or how to contact yeah, uh, you. We have our, our, we have our business page, you know, www.frostrealestateteam.com. Uh, then my email is david.in.frost at gmail. So just let me know. All right. All right. Cool. Appreciate it. And with that, thank you for listening, everybody. Love is love. Love is love. Adios.